Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, January 3rd. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi lawmakers return to the Capitol as the final session of the four-year term begins. Will legislators expand Medicaid? Will there be any type of welfare reform? We examine legislative priorities with analysts Austin Barber and Brandon Jones. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi Legislature will convene at noon today to kick off the legislative session. And we are bringing you a special preview today. We are joined by our analysts, Brandon Jones and Austin Barber. Brandon is a Democrat and a former member of the House of Representatives for the state. Austin is a Republican strategist. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. This will be the last session of the four-year term. Lawmakers will be running for re-election this fall, some for the first time as well. There will be the usual business of passing budgets, but there are a number of key issues that have come up, one of them being the hospital crisis, uh, there's welfare reform, water infrastructure, and more. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman says lawmakers have a full plate. Uh, historically, people say, well, you're fourth year during an election year, uh, not much happens. Well, uh, not here. Uh, we don't do that. Uh, as you know, this legislature has taken on just about everything that possibly could take on, and we're going to take on a bunch more this coming year. Brandon, you're a former member of the House. Is there anything different about an election year when it comes to holding a session? Yeah, there really is. It it weighs on every decision you make because you are mindful of the fact that you could face opposition and the voters in November. Um, The few unique things about this session, too, it is, as you mentioned, uh, the fourth session in the term. Uh, We know that House Speaker Philip Gunn is resigning at the end of this year, retiring. That's a big deal. So this lame duck session for the House leader, you never know how that might change the dynamic. Um, There's a possibility that lieutenant governor could face opposition within his own chamber in the Senate. That could flavor the way that legislation moves. And then we've also moved up the deadline to February 1 for people to qualify for office. That's a new deadline. It used to be in March. And so that happened a couple years ago. I believe it was Representative Jody Steverson's bill. So now what that means is folks will know who their opponent is before they reach the first major legislative deadline of the session. It's impossible that that doesn't flavor the way this session plays out. 
Austin. And I think that's a – I hadn't really thought about the, the deadline to file. So if I want to run for um, – Governor or supervisor or anywhere in between, more specifically, state senator, state house, I think it's a good thing that that deadline is February 1st because that will ensure, I think, in a better in a better way, um, that more action takes place. Because as you just said, they're, they're in the past, and I'm not going to say under this leadership, but in the past, historically there is there has been some, hey, let's just hold up for a second and see what's going to happen. This is an election year before we may take up a certain bill. Uh, and I think with a deadline of February the 1st instead of March the 1st, that's 30 days. It's a third of the session that, that gives the legislature more of an opportunity to do something. Now, I will say the lieutenant governor has been very specific when he just said, and we just heard this clip, we got a lot of things to do. I don't care if it's 2023 or 2022, whatever it is, we got things to do. It doesn't matter. It's election year. We, we're, going to, we're going to work. And yeah. we've heard from health officials that the system statewide is in critical condition. Something must be done to keep our hospitals afloat and effective, being able to provide the services that folks need. Do you see that coming before the legislature in a really reformative way? I, I do. I do a lot of work for, with uh, with hospitals. Um, I don't think there's any way this year that something big's not done for hospitals. Um, whether it's big hospitals like UMC or Forest General Gulfport Memorial or Tupelo, or the North Mississippi Hospital in Tupelo, or community hospitals, smaller rural hospitals, like we've seen a lot of news about Greenwood, Lafleur, about Delta Regional and Greenville, those two specific hospitals uh, in Greenwood and Greenville, they have significant financial trouble. Every hospital in the state, I'd be willing to bet, um, is in the worst financial shape they've probably been in in a decade. Because coming out of COVID, uh, it's been a it's been an extremely difficult. Uh, thing for these hospitals they lost to have to staff to, and then well, staff, the cost of it, wages yeah, went up. That, that, that's right. I mean, the costs are just extreme. So there are some there are some proposals this year. One specifically to help community hospitals. Community hospitals serve a specific region. Sometimes it's one county. Sometimes it's five counties. There's nearly forty of them around the state. Greenwood, Lafleur, uh, Delta Regional, and, and, and Greenville. Those are examples of those. Uh, there will be specific legislation to try to help them, give them more flexibility flexibility to go do deals with other types of hospitals, whether it's a private, a public, a nonprofit. Uh, also, every hospital in the state, no matter what type of hospital they are, whether it's UMC or a Merit Hospital that's a for-profit, they all pay a certain hospital bed tax that, that goes to Medicaid, Medicaid takes it to the, to the feds, that comes back in a greater match and those dollars are, are dispersed around. There will be a request, I know, that the hospitals will ask the legislature, hey, Hey, that $97 million that we all put in the pot, can y'all cover that for one year or for two years? That's an immediate saving, Brandon, for every single hospital. So if you're just trying to survive financially to get over this, you know, the COVID, uh, yeah, the, the COVID financial loss that all these hospitals have had, you know, a, a reprieve for one year or two years, which I know that's a conversation that's going on. That's that's beneficial for hospitals, uh, for the state to use their surplus from the general funds that they've had. I just want to jump in here. We Sorry, have, that was long-winded, no, but it's important. That's okay. But we have a, a comment from Minority Leader Democrat Robert Johnson of Natchez about this issue. It is like a perfect storm. Uh, if, if this issue 
if this crisis is really a crisis that we're facing with hospitals and healthcare, if this were happening in the first year of a new term, it would be it would be a slow burn, just slowly moving. Nobody nobody would be in a hurry. We have time, but this crisis is upon us. It's right here, and uh, people have to consider going back home, uh, telling their local uh, constituents that oh yeah, our hospital closed and we are. We were right there, and we had a chance to do something about it, and we didn't. So, yeah, an election year makes a difference. And an election year when you have a crisis happening right in the midst of a legislative session means that something will get done that otherwise wouldn't have gotten done. All right, Brandon, we have talked about the hospital situation. One thing Democrats have been talking about the past, I don't know how many years, Medicaid expansion. And now that there is hardly no abortions allowed legally, we're wondering what is going to happen to women and children in health care. How do you see this? Yeah, look, this is, as you both said, you set the table well, and we heard from Representative Johnson there. This, this is a, a crisis. Dr. Dan Edney, our state health officer, said that 38 hospitals across the state faced either immediate or short-term closure by the summer. That's significant. And, and a point that he made was this is not just a Delta problem. We like to talk about what's going on on the floor. The truth of the matter is, on the Gulf Coast, here in the Jackson area and in the Golden Triangle, all of our hospitals are feeling a crunch unlike they ever have before. There is a solution that would mean $1 billion for the state of Mississippi, Medicaid expansion. That would be a game changer. It would be a game changer for our hospitals and their business model. It would be a game changer for how we can employ people. But most of all, it would be a game changer for people who need care in the state of Mississippi. It would expand uh, Medicaid uh, eligibility up to 138% of the poverty level. That would mean about 200,000 additional Mississippians would have basic insurance so they could get preventative care. When you put that kind of injection of cash into a system like ours, what it means is you start to kill these dead zones in Mississippi, these places where you can get sick or you can have a acute problem and you can't get care. And so it would be a game changer. Medicaid expansion is above and beyond the best option this legislature faces, and it has been for some time. But now you mentioned something specific to mothers and babies. Uh, last year, Mississippi sadly became one of only two states to not expand Medicaid for just that population from 60 days to one year. Postpartum. This postpartum uh, Medicaid coverage for mothers and babies. Uh, the Senate tried, and, and you know, hats off to the Senate for, for making that part of the suspension resolution, for making that part of the you know, end of session work that they did. But this year, Austin, I think they have to get that done. I think they need to do that in the first day or two of the session. No, I I, I, I certainly agree, and that's an issue that I've talked to a lot of legislators about last year. So basically what we're talking about is, is Medicaid expanding postpartum care for uh, women who just had a baby. So if you're a fiscal Republican like I am, you look at this and you can say you can look at it from two ways. You can look at it from a, hey, do I care about women and do I care about the budget? You can you can say yes to both of those if we do this because let me tell you if a woman has a baby and that baby ends up in, in a NICU and 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 a lot of these situations um, that that happens that is about that's going to cost about a million dollars for that child to go there I think the total cost to expand 
uh, postpartum care is about ten million dollars. Maybe it's eight or nine, but it's not. It's it's not a significant amount of money in comparison to a seven billion dollar budget. Anyway, if you can just keep because they because Medicaid is offering them ex- extended postpartum care, if you can keep less than twelve women. Okay, from having a baby that ends up in a NICU, it pays for itself. So two things: one, we can it 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 works fiscally; it's a smart decision financially, and two, it's a th- it's the right thing to do. But the supermajority Republicans have been resistant. That's to That's not true. It passed in the Senate. It, it passed did pass in, the, in the So Senate. you can't say all Republicans. I That's didn't not say true. all, but, but you the said super the supermajority. The the Republican. Mean, Listen, I'm looking here at, I will not name the website, it's one of the statewide newspapers, said, it's the lieutenant governor saying, we passed postpartum last year three times, I anticipate we will pass it again, we've got to get this done. Um, it, it will fall on the House on, on their shoulders and see what happens, but I think they will get it done this year. Um, Brandon knows sometimes... Things that, that are that are make all common eyes sense. On the house. All eyes will be on the house, and I think they'll get it done this year. I just think it's an issue that's kind of a new issue, um, and sometimes it just takes a year or two to get it done. Well, and just to inject some politics back into it, you know, we mentioned a moment ago this is a lame duck session for the speaker. We all know who study this closely that the speaker has been the primary kind of problem for this issue. It'll be interesting to see. Because he didn't does take that it up on the floor. Change. That's right. So does that? Does that? Oh make no, it didn't difference? get out of committee. Yeah, right. It didn't get out of committee. Anyway, but I mean, you know, what we know but, that means in our world is that the he speaker didn't, want didn't it allow to it to. But, but 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 I don't know that that's I don't know that that's true. I don't know. That's they, what they, were was de- they were they yeah, were they were dealing with a lot of big issues last year, and sometimes you just can't get to, to all of them. But listen, most importantly, as we put a button on this, doing thing doing something big for hospitals this year, I know it's a priority for both the House and the Senate leadership. I would be shocked. If there are not multiple big things that are done for hospitals, it will be the, it will be arguably the biggest issue that will happen at the at the Capitol this year. These smaller community hospitals, all the way up to the largest hospitals in the state, need some help. You know, as you as you mentioned, think about how expensive it was to run a hospital during COVID. Those costs have not come down. Nurses were getting paid a whole lot more because they were in demand. You could be a nurse from from Benton, Mississippi, and you could go to Seattle, Washington, and get paid ten times what you were because we're getting paid because just the demand. That was so much pressure on hospital administrators. Something will get done this year. Okay, we need to pause right here. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Okay, another issue, the Open Meetings Act. The Mississippi Ethics Commission determined uh, that the legislature is not a public body under the rules that they operate on. They contend it is not a public body. So caucuses can meet privately 
without reporters or anybody from the public being in the room. It's a legislature, a public body. Yeah, I mean, I hope nobody rode off the road hearing you say that, you know, just wondering if they were confused or having some type of medical problem themselves. It does not make any sense. We all know that. The notion that our legislature is not a public body, it, it defies credulity. And, and so, um, you know, just to set the scene a little bit, what happened last year was, and this has been a practice that's going on for some time, uh, the Republican caucus is known to have these uh, meetings, the, these meetings where they have up or down votes on whether or not to bring something out to have it to have a bill that's that's heard and so uh some journalists sought access to one of those meetings and was denied and so that kind of was the the basis for for the suit um the ethics commission i i think had a pretty easy call here to to take just the plain language of the way the law is written and to say that clearly uh the legislature is a public body, and clearly when that body has a meeting that is, uh, you know, a required meeting for a majority of its members to talk about substantive legislative issues, you have crossed over into that line of foul play from an ethics standpoint. So there's no question it's a perception problem. I would not want to be sitting in that legislature right now saying that to my constituents that I'm not a public body and that I can do a big part of our business in private. And so what I'm hopeful is that the legislature will kind of reevaluate this situation, reevaluate how it does closed meetings, reevaluate how, how it does open meetings, and, and, and think about changing its rules, tweaking its rules, bringing itself under the open meetings law. Look, that's good for all of us. Open government is not a, you know, a partisan issue, or at least it shouldn't be. Everybody sitting in that chamber right now has a stake in having this process to be more open, and it's better for the public. And so it was a weird year. It's a weird ruling from the Ethics Commission. The legislature has a chance to do something with it. I don't know. It, taking on a new rule in the fourth session of a term is un, unusual. Typically, the rules are set during the first session after the speaker and the lieutenant governor are installed. So, you know, I don't know how likely it is that we see that change. But if I were sitting in that legislature right now, I wouldn't want to be hiding behind a pretty thin ethics commission ruling. Okay, I just want to throw this in. The attorney, Robert McDuff, with the Mississippi Center for Justice that brought the case, made this comment about the issue. The legislature really should address this now and amend the statute so that it is clear that the legislature is covered and that any time a quorum of legislators meets to discuss public business, as the House Republican caucus has often done, uh, those meetings should be open to the public. Okay, Austin, your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, I'm really conflicted on this. Let me just try to say this in a common sense way. First of all, nobody cares about this. Nobody's talking about this. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. They just don't. I mean, if you brought this up, people go, oh, yeah, they shouldn't do that. But nobody really cares. They care about about taxes. They care about roads. If you live in Jackson like I do, you care about, hey, my water's barely running. Come on, let's fix this. But we're talking about it, so I'll answer it. Here's where I'm conflicted on this. One, yes, from a common, and you said this, from a common sense standpoint, the Mississippi legislature is clearly a public body. 
These are public officials. I completely understand that. Uh, since you were in the legislature, uh, it is a much more transparent body than it was. That's because of technology, mostly, Brandon. We've got TV cameras. They can they can do Zoom meetings. There's just there's way more ways to make it uh, more transparent. And both the speaker and and uh, particularly the lieutenant governor have tried to do that. But let me flip the switch here. I, I get this. And you think about what's been going on in Washington, D.C. right now, where, where Republicans are trying to elect a, a Speaker of the House with their majority. The meetings that they have in Washington, D.C., those are behind cl- closed doors for the Republican caucus or the Democrat caucus. If, if now Minority, leaders, uh, Minority Leader Pelosi has a meeting with just the Democrats, press are not allowed in that. So, I mean, I'm... I have some sensitivity that if the speaker, listen, he wants to represent his, the the Republicans that are in the house, the best that he possibly can, because each of them are representing their constituents who put them in office, you know, no matter what their county is, he needs to have, he needs to be able to have conversations with them as a big group. I guess he could do it over the phone too, but it's a lot better in person about these are the issues that we need to talk about. What are we going to do with this? Um, sorry, I'm long winded, but I'll finish it this way. Basically, if the Speaker of the House or the Lieutenant Governor, particularly the Speaker, so that's the that's the body we're talking about, wants to meet with his group, at, you know, as as a whole, the Republicans, he needs to be able to do that without a journalist sitting there uh, writing about exactly what he's talking about. Just to make the point clear, though, also, no one is suggesting they can't caucus. That, that's not what this was about. What the problem here was the very specific law that we have in Mississippi and the mm-hmm. way it was worded, and the fact that it appeared to be a clear violation of that. Although the ethics commission disagreed. But the second thing was they were having straw votes to decide whether or not issues come up. Now, that's a difference than talking. That's a difference than caucusing because this is now a public body. Now, think about it. If three members of your board of supervisors Uh, and a five-member county get together and have dinner and then they vote on something over stakes, we would all agree that's an ethics violation. Mm -hmm. This is, in practice, basically the same thing. I I, I get it, and I thought about the board of supervisors um, comparison. I've just conflicted on this. Something will get done. we got a lot of friends over there breaking ethics laws. It can Uh, be tough on a guy. Oh, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, we know we are not going to have agreement on that issue. Thank you, Michael. We are going to the ballot initiative. Okay. Yeah. So, look. The ballot initiative has not been updated in years. We had a referendum that was turned over by the Mississippi State Supreme Court because— They use the outdated method. So the legislature knew last year that this needed to be updated. It didn't happen. So we're going to go to a bite about that. There are people on both sides that feel like uh, we're we're long overdue to make that simple correction we need to make to to give that right back to the people in the state of Mississippi. We could have done it last year. But, you know, I will say that Republicans were, were resistant to doing something about it because, when people are not tied to party affiliation and they just go in to the polls and vote in their best interest, now, it doesn't always coincide with this is the Republican agenda or this is the Democratic agenda. They do what's best. All right. What is best? Well, you may go first. Sure. Um, 
I think what's best is that we have a process that allows the, the uh, public citizens an opportunity to have access to the ballot on a specific issue. Um, I think that will happen this year. I really do. I think there's a, a there was a lot of talk about it last year. It got down to the deadline, and they just couldn't agree on the details. And as Brandon knows, it's the details of what's actually in a bill in how legislation. Many signatures should yeah, how be many required. signatures should be required? This and that. Um, there is clear consensus from both chambers that that the that this is a constitutional right for for all Mississippians to be able to to put something on the ballot, um, and we just don't have it right now because we don't have a process put in place. It's as simple as that. The legislature's got to move forward with a process. I think it will happen uh, this legislative session. I really do. I'm I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited, you know, to hear that from from Austin and others. And I think Austin's right. I, I think. Uh, we all, from different sides of the political spectrum, see the value in giving people a choice and giving you know this this option to voters, and it is and it's in a particularly election year issue. I mean, I think there is going to be a lot of interest in this coming up on election year. Um, I think people you know have even talked about campaigning on this, making this sort of part of what they would run on if the legislature weren't to take action. So yeah. there's a whole host of incentives. I think. Whereas, to do it. whereas before I said nobody really cared about the Mississippi ethics opinion about whether the legislature is a public body or not. I think they do care about this. Yeah, they're in Because th- this is this is a yeah. broader conversation yeah. that's been going on for a couple of years now. All right. Well, as we finish out this half an hour, what do you see as agenda items that really need to be dealt with? Yeah, Your I think thoughts? we have a, a huge – thankfully, we have a huge surplus in the general fund, more money than they than they have appropriated. It, the, the legislature – that's a good thing. Um, it's clear that they've got to figure out what are their priorities. The, the lieutenant governor and the speaker have both said, lieutenant governor very recently, uh, continuing to, to ma- massively fund infrastructure – uh, Health care, education. Uh, they're, they're talking about trying to do year-round schools. Uh, there are six school districts in the state that do it right now, giving other school districts more an opportunity. Funding these types of things, using these dollars, uh, the potential for a tax rebate. Uh, Should that we debate. even be talking about that with uh, absolutely. education? Yes, so yes you can do it all. Priorities, you can do it all with as much money as that they have. Actually, absolutely, they should be debating whether we should give taxpayers back more of the money that they spend, Brandon. Yeah, um, I, you know, we've talked about a lot of issues that are of great importance and that I hope, you know, they take some of those top three items we mentioned and, and take those off the list here in the first week. That'd be good for the state. Um, but one that I do think requires attention is this uh, TANF issue that's going on in our state. This is uh, payments, cash payments to poor families, the poorest of the poor in the state of Mississippi. We've been embroiled in a years-long national scandal about the way that we have handled TANF funds in Mississippi. And our government needs to respond by passing legislation and passing rules and implementing changes to make sure that those dollars end up of the in the hands of the people that need them. Um, you know, Mississippi is a state that has a, a goodly portion of its of its citizens that have uh, these that qualify for these payments. And the notion that we went years and years with just such a very small, minuscule portion of those people actually getting these funds that are intended for them, you know, that's a that's a bad statement of who we are as a state. And I think we can do better than that. And so I would really like to see us do whatever we can to ensure that those dollars end up in the hands of those that need it most. Okay, well, we've run out of time. Of course, there's a number of other issues that I would have liked to have gotten to, but time does not permit. But I'd like to thank 
you both, Brandon and Austin, for coming to give us a preview of the 2023 legislative session. We have to see how this is going to pan out. And of course, we will have you back to discuss it as we go through the session. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.